Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> I think the last time that New Year's fell um, on, the, on a Sunday, amazingly, it was the same as the last time New Year's or Christmas fell on a Sunday. It's funny how that works. <laughs> 2016. Uh, and so when Dustin and Adam asked if I'd share for New Year's Day, you know, of course, my mind's starting to go through. Yeah, kids can leave. They figured it out. <laughs> um, my mind is obviously thinking, well, it's got to have something to do um, with the new year. Uh, you guys, the brave, the bold, who I don't know how late you stayed up last night, but here for the morning service, uh, it's awesome. And so I'm excited to kind of process through with you some things that I've been thinking um, Really, in some ways, in the last few days, I had a track I was planning to head on, and it was about Friday morning, things changed up on me a little bit, and I'm really excited um, to share with you guys. There's a QR code here on the screen. If you'd like to follow along on the Bible app, it's something we're doing here um, at Valley Life Church. You can kind of shine your camera on there, take a picture, click the button, and, uh, and it'll bring you to the Bible app, which has most of the passages that we'll be talking through kind of right in there. So some people like to do that on their phone. If you have the traditional hard copy, you can do that. I'll also have a number of um, the passages up on the screen. Uh, it's fun. We're going to be spending most of our time, if you want to find your place in your Bibles, in Psalm 106. And uh, it was neat uh, hearing the songs this morning, the worship songs. And uh, Lisa said that each one really has this idea of hallelujah in it. And actually, Psalm 106 begins and ends with that word, hallelujah, um, which is, is really neat. Uh, happy New Year. You can go to the next slide there. Happy New Year. Uh, kind of a strange phrase, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I th- I, we celebrated last night, I think it was about 10 o'clock. I th- that's like maybe the sign that you're getting older, is you kind of start moving eastward across the United States on when you consider it okay to go to bed and celebrate New Year's. We didn't end up going to bed until after that, but 10 o'clock, uh, we all got together, you know, everybody cheered and yelled, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It wasn't even the New Year yet. <laughs> it was in New York City. Uh, Happy New Year. It's a funny statement, right? Like, wh- what is it? Wh- what are we saying when we say Happy New Year, and I've said it, it was said to you when you came in, you know, is it just a statement? Like, hey, we're all happy. <laughs> That's not really true, probably. You know, is it is a statement? Is it a wish? Hey, I hope you have a Happy New Year. You know, probably that's a little bit more the way we typically think about it. Is it a prophecy? <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> I see that you are going to have a happy new year. Is it a rally cry? That's, that's kind of what it feels like, you know, at, when you're, everybody's celebrating at midnight, you know, happy new year, kissing each other or whatever you do. Uh, you know, is it a rally cry? Sometimes it almost feels like a magic spell. <laughs> if I say happy new year, maybe something will happen. Maybe, maybe it'll be a better year than last year. It, it's a strange phrase, happy New Year. I grew up in a British family, and in our family, at, at Christmas time, you don't actually say Merry Christmas, you say Happy Christmas, <laughs> which always sounded a little strange to me. Um, you know, when you out and, and everybody else, you say Happy Christmas, people are like, no, it's Merry Christmas. I'm like, oh, sorry, you know. Happy, well, we say Happy Holidays. But again, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by Happy Holidays? Because for a lot of people, they're not happy. What do we mean? I hope you have a happy holiday. I get it in a double portion. 
on New Year's Eve because yesterday was actually my birthday. <laughs> I turned 44 uh, some point yesterday. I don't remember what time I was actually born. Um, but at some point yesterday, um, I turned 44. And so typically, while everybody else is saying Happy New Year, I first get a happy birthday. But again, what does that mean? <laughs> Last night at 10 o'clock, we were with some friends, and everybody kind of got together, and, and we said, hey, it's New Year's in New York. We're going to celebrate right now. Happy New Year. And I said, yeah, but I still have two more, day, two more hours of my birthday. And then everybody finished it. Well, and happy birthday. <laughs> Again, what does that mean? I had two hours left. The reality is I spent most of my birthday helping a couple people get out of a ditch <laughs> and preparing for my message today. It wasn't unhappy, but it wasn't like I'd say, wow, that was one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> I think as I was heading to bed, this was, I think actually after midnight, my wife leaned across to me and says, happy birthday, Dan. <laughs> it's not even my birthday anymore. What does it mean? So we've got this idea of happy new year, happy, happy, happy. What does that mean? It somewhat almost seems a bit pointless What's interesting is in Psalm 106, there's a formula for happiness. That seems a little bit more beneficial, right? Rather than just saying, happy new year, happy birthday, happy holidays, Psalm 106 gives a formula for happiness. Go ahead and go to the next slide there. Psalm 106 verse 3 it said, how blessed, and blessed's kind of a very churchy word. We don't use that very often. In the Hebrew, in the Greek, actually both words basically means happy, joyful, happy. And it, so it says, how blessed, how happy are those who, it's going to tell us, the formula for happiness. I'm like, oh, where is it? Some of you guys are already looking ahead. Okay, what is it? What's the formula for happiness? Go on to the next slide. How blessed, how happy are those who keep justice. The word there in Hebrew has to do with the law. Who practice righteousness all the time. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you know? Really? Oh, here's the, here's the formula for happiness. Sweet. I don't just wish happy birthday, happy new year, happy holidays. I'm going to actually find out how to get it. Here, I, I, I rephrase this in my own language. Happy are those who follow the rules, who do what's right all the time. Yes. We can go now, right? <laughs> now we know how to have a happy new year. But of course, that doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? <laughs> doesn't sound very encouraging. One, we'd say, well, actually, sometimes we tell people who try to follow the rules, you just need to lighten up a little bit if you want to have some happiness. <laughs> Secondly, I look at that and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. If, if that's the key, if that's the formula for happiness, blessed, happy are those who follow the rules and do what's right all the time, then it leaves me feeling a little less happy, a little bit hopeless. 
It's interesting because the rest of the psalm, in Psalm 106, the author, the psalmist, basically walks through a journey of kind of an assessment of how well his people, Israel, and himself have, have followed the, the formula for happiness. It's like a personal assessment, a personal test. Okay, how have we done in, in, in living out what we need to have happiness, following the rules, being righteous all the time, how are we doing on that? And so what we're gonna do corporately is we're actually gonna take a personal assessment along with the psalmist of how we did last year, 2022, in following the formula. How, how do we do? How did you do in following the formula? We're, we're gonna follow with the psalmist along that journey. You know, you might say, Dan, I didn't come here to look at last year especially to look at whether or not I followed the rules and did them all the time. I was kind of hoping we'd come and look forward. It's a new year. But the problem is one of the, the ways to look forward is actually to look backwards. In fact, it's a, a really valuable tool to look at the last year, to look at the last period of time and assess what happened then as a means to then look forward. I, as turning 44, I didn't realize this, but when I was 43, around this time of year, I must have gone to the doctor for something. While I was at the doctor, the doctor said, hey, you should probably, you know, start having an annual physical. That didn't sound very fun. So I said, well, let's do it next year. <laughs> so all of a sudden, around the beginning of December, I got an email from the doctor's office saying, your, schedule, your scheduled physical to get your blood drawn is this day, and your actual physical is, I think it was like December 28th or 29th. Two, day, two days ago, I think, two or three days ago. I'm like, that doesn't sound very fun. Thankfully, I don't have to do the colonoscopy till next year. <laughs> but I was like, I don't want to go get my blood drawn and find out you know, what's going on in my life? And, and I read it in the little print on the email. It said, you know, please come 15 minutes early to fill out paperwork. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's like name. They probably have all that stuff. So, of course, I didn't come 15 minutes early. Came pretty close to on time. I get there, and she hands me this survey, <laughs> this assessment of my year, of my health. I start, I'm like, okay, name, you know, things. Are, how are you, visual, vision, like all these questions. But then they began to get a little personal. I don't know if you guys have done those. I'm sure some of you guys have done some. And you're kind of looking around like, is this going to be public information? <laughs> Asking, you know, personal questions. Questions about your lifestyle. Questions about like, you know, are they checking up on me? Are they going to ask anybody else, you know, what's going on here? And I'm, I'm assessing kind of how I've been living, how I've been eating, how I've been exercising, what I've been doing for the last year, and kind of marking it on this piece of paper. One of the questions talked about, um, like, how are you sleeping? You know, do you have, do you have wake up sometimes, not being able to breathe? Do you have, and I started thinking, my wife's been telling me that I snore a lot, and every once in a while I wake up, like, <coughs> kind of choking in the middle of the night. I better just jot that down. Well, when I jotted that down and met with the doctor, that brought about another assessment. <laughs> and I saw, he, he, said, he said, well, you, there's a chance you might have sleep apnea or something, you know, in, in your nasal passage. <laughs> I probably have a lot in my nasal passage. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to give you a sleepiness assessment. So again, think about this last year and just fill out this assessment on your sleepiness levels. I'm like, I, Okay. I look at it, it had basically said, um, I, we want you to check um, one, two, three, or four, maybe there's a five, I can't remember, based on 
if you have a tendency to nod off doing these activities, like fall asleep. I'm like, well, I like nodding off. <laughs> First one was like, when you're reading. And I'm like, well, I primarily read when I'm going to bed. So I do typically nod off if I'm reading. <laughs> when you're talking to people, ooh, you know, Sarah's like, man, a couple times you've nodded off talking to me. No, I haven't. <laughs> okay, well, not very often. When you're driving, the, the worst one, and because I think you're supposed to get a low score, is it actually said, how often do you, and you want to get a low score, how often do you nod off when you lay down to take a rest? I'm like, seriously? Why else would I lay down to take a rest except for to nod off? Five, you know? So he looked at my sheet. He's like, okay, you've got a sleepiness score of seven or eight or whatever that was. Like this assessment, and then we, we met together, and he talked through my blood work, all this other stuff, and ultimately said, you're healthy. You know, he said, we can, he got on the computer. He said, let's, let's fast forward 20 years. If this is your information when you're 64, then you're probably not very healthy. So, you, you know, right now you're healthy as a 44-year-old man, you know, but you need to watch some things as you're getting older and older. And it was actually a really good meeting. Here's what you should do. Here's some ideas. Here's some things. And it was helpful. And so here we go. We're going to walk through the assessment that the psalmist has looking back over his year, kind of like an assessment tool. How was my last year? How have we been? He looks more than just his year. He's going to look at Israel's history. But I want us to assess how do we do? How do we do when we yell, Happy New Year? How do we do with our formula for happiness? Obey the rules. Do what's right all the time. Go ahead and, and jump in to Psalm 106 with me. The next 40 verses, we're not going to read through all of them, but the next 40 verses, the psalmist basically walks through the results of his assessment. <laughs> He's going to go through a long period of Israel's history assessing how did Israel do? How did he and the people of Israel do in following the rules of God and doing them all the time? How did they do? If that's where you get happiness, how did they do? And in verse 6, kind of to kick off the, the data portion of his assessment, he gives us his conclusion. Look in verse 6. It says, we have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. In other words, his assessment was, we failed. <laughs> we failed. And then he walks us through the data. The next, you know, 37 verses from there, he begins walking through Israel's history. He starts with Israel, the people of Israel at the Red Sea, and how God had just delivered them from Egypt with incredible miracles, and yet they got to the Red Sea, and they got afraid, and the Pharaoh and his army were coming, and all of a sudden they forgot all the things that God had done, and they began to complain, they began to rebel, they began to turn away from God, they began to say, God, God is just a wicked God who wanted to bring us out of Egypt to kill us in the desert. Then he moves on from there. He begins talking about their wandering in the desert and how they weren't content with the food God was giving them. And they wanted more and they wanted meat. And they started complaining. 
And he goes from there, he talks about how they envied Moses and the other leaders, they wanted to be like them. And then he goes and he talks about, of course, the, the, the making of the golden calf at Mount Sinai and how they began to worship this other, this image that represented God, which was really an idol and all the things, and, and, and it goes on and on and on throughout these 40 verses, laying thick the reality of how far Israel had been from living out that happy formula. Here's a list of what it says. I put the list up there. I just kind of took all the things over these passages that it says were true of Israel. I'm just gonna read through them really quickly. It says they didn't remember, they rebelled, they quickly forgot. They didn't wait for God's counsel. They craved intensely for what God hadn't given them. Um, They put God to the test. They became envious. They made and worshiped an idol. They forgot God their savior. They despised God's gifts. They did not believe in his word. They grumbled. They didn't listen. They joined false gods. They ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They practiced evil beliefs. They provoked God to anger. They provoked God to wrath. They rebelled against their leaders. They caused their leaders sin. They did not destroy wicked people. They mingled with evil nations. They learned the practices of these nations. They served their idols. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the nation's gods. They shed innocent blood. They became unclean in practice. They played the harlot in deeds. That means they prostituted themselves to other gods. They were rebellious in counsel. They sank down in their iniquity. I mean, you read that, you're like, oh man, that's pretty bad. That's a, that's a bad review. That's a bad assessment. I took that list. I thought, well, let's, let's summarize it because some of those things are kind of similar. So here's the summary. A- and I want us to think as we go through because I don't want to just assess the psalmist and Israel and his history, but I, I do. I want us to do a personal assessment of our own year. Here we are entering 2023. How do we do in 2022? Here's the, a summary if I kind of broke their categories down. They treated God as if he wasn't there. They forgot him. So my question for you and for me, how'd you do in 2022? Were there ever times where you treated God as if he wasn't really there? Were were there times when you just forgot? Forgot what he'd done? Forgot what he says? Forgot who he is? Lived like he didn't exist? Did Did that ever happen? in 2022 for you? They didn't trust that God could or would care for them. How about you? Did you trust God's care? That no matter what, he's got your back? That he sees and understands and cares for you? They wanted what God had not given them. I'm sure none of us fell to that one, right? (laughs) Envy, jealousy, longing for things, grabbing for things that actually weren't given yet by the Lord? (laughs) They grumbled and complained. Exactly. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that, but it's such a great, we don't do it that obviously, do we? Did you grumble and complain this last year? I did. (laughs) They grumbled, they complained. They set other things as equal or more important than God. Idols. They didn't do what God asked them to do, disobedience. They hurt the innocent, or the flip side, they didn't help the innocent who were being hurt. How'd you do in 2022? I mean, that's the hard thing about being in Winter Park, Colorado. 
It's easy to stay away from the innocent who are being hurt. To a degree. How'd you do? Did you hurt the innocent? Did you help the innocent who are being hurt? If you were going to do a personal assessment of your last year, how were your results compared to theirs? I mean, you look at the list from Israel and you're like, ooh, that's a pretty bad list. You know, I definitely haven't offered any of my kids, you know, as sacrifices to foreign gods. (laughs) But if I'm honest with myself, I've sacrificed my kids and the people I love for other things. Maybe not to death, but my time with them, my care with them. How have you done? When you look at the assessment, (laughs) how do you come out? If we're all honest, I think we'd have to say, it's a fail. It's a fail. Actually, it's probably worse than I even think because I've got a pretty short memory. (laughs) I forget a lot of things that I did that are on that list. It's a fail. And so then the question, which is the same question I asked our doctor, okay, so I've got this breathing level of seven or whatever, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> What's the action? What do I do in light of that? What, if I failed, if, if the, the formula for Happy New Year is obey the law, do the, obey the rules, and follow, be righteous all the time, what am I supposed to do? Okay, doc, I'll do better in 2023, <laughs> Right? I think of going to the dentist. They ask, have you flossed recently? Oh, yeah, I floss on occasion. The day before I go to the, do- <laughs> the, 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 the dentist and while I'm at the dentist, <laughs> twice a year. And you're like, Doc, I'll floss next year. I'll do better. <laughs> no, Doc, I'll, I'll, my eating habits will be more in line next year. Oh, yeah, Doc, I'll exercise more. I'll drink less. I'll, I'll, I'll go out and do less dangerous activities. <laughs> Oh, you know, you have this list of things. Yeah, this is what I'll do. I'll be more healthy next year. I'll yell at my kids a little less often. I'll be a little bit more patient next year. I'll love a little bit better next year. I'll I'll do better, I promise. 2023 is gonna be a year where I do better. I'm gonna get closer. (laughs) And a lot of times, that's how we enter the new year. We look back at last year and we get discouraged at times of how we're living and we say, sweet, we get a restart. 2023, I'm going to do better, Doc. I promise. And if you've lived long enough to see, it simply doesn't work. Doesn't work. Sometimes you get worse. I love where the psalmist goes after his assessment. And this is so key. As we read the words of the psalmist, we get to verse 44 where he's laid out, he's laid out the weight of all the wrong they've done, everything that Israel's done, how far they are from the formula to being blessed, to the happy new year. And I love the first word in verse 44. He says, nevertheless, nevertheless, It's a funny word, never the less. It actually doesn't make sense to me, like, if you break it down, but we all know what nevertheless means. Nevertheless means in spite of what you've done, in spite of something, something else is going to happen. What does it say? It says, nevertheless, 
In spite of all that sin, all that weight, all the wrong you've done, nevertheless, he, God, looked upon their distress. Nevertheless, he looked. Nevertheless, when he heard their cry, the cry of the people of Israel in their distress because of their sin, nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry, and nevertheless, he remembered his covenant for their sake. Nevertheless, even with all that sin, God looked on the distress and the cry of his people and God remembered his covenant, his promise for his people's sake. Nevertheless, when he looked upon their distress and he heard their cry, he relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. This word relented is an interesting word. It basically means to change your mind, to go back. God changed his mind, went back, but it's actually a much more like emotional word than that. It, it, it actually is like a feeling sorry for, a compassion, a, 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 a moving back, and it's not that God, there's some clear verses like God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday forevermore. But this, this, this word, which is used multiple times to talk about God, speaks to his compassionate heart. His looking on people who are caught in the darkness of sin, who deserve judgment, and his heart calls out to them. And it says he relents. He changes his assessment. He relented according to his loving kindness. Nevertheless, he also made them, instead of objects of wrath, objects of compassion. He says this group Israel who'd done all these evil things and all the weight was against them and all the judgment was on them and there's no way they're gonna have the happy new year that they want because they didn't fit the formula. God looked at them and he remembered his covenant. He heard their cry, remembered his covenant, relented because of his compassion and his love for them, and he actually turned them into objects of compassion in the contexts they were in. Wow. I look at that and I think, is that a good thing? Is that true for us today? As I assess my own life and I, I see this list of, of, of negatives, of sins, of iniquities, of wickedness, as he said, is this still true for me today? It's great. I don't have these passages up on the screen, but this same idea comes out over and over over Scripture in the New Testament. It doesn't use the word nevertheless. Often it uses a word like but. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that what the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, sinful, so that every mouth may be closed to the, um, and all the world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law, no flesh is justified in their sight um, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Basically, that's the, the weight side, the sin side. We know the assessment is we're sinners. Verse 21, but now, nevertheless, now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God is manifested and witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe. 
or a shorter passage in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, verse 21, he says, Although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, that's the assessment, yet, nevertheless, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. Nevertheless. Or one of the most famous passages, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. If when you assess yourself, you're like, I don't meet the grade, and then it says, but God. Nevertheless, God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Nevertheless, as you assess 2022, the assessment is failure. I don't even know you, and I know that's the case. Nevertheless, but God, yet God has compassion. You look at that and you say, okay, is that, is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Yes, it's a good thing. But you have to think about it for a moment. When I went to the doctor's office and I got my blood drawn and I did my assessment and he asked a bunch of questions and he looked at my numbers and he did my sleep test and, and all these things, if I end up having our kind of conversation and he says, yeah, Dan, you, I mean, you know, 44 years old, there's some things that are going okay physically, but there's also some red flags. A couple that are kind of orange flags, but there's a couple that are, I would say, serious red flags. And he's kind of like, gets up close, kind of quiet, making sure I'm not, you know, just want to sit down. And he says, Dan, I, I, need to, I, need to, I just need to tell you about your cholesterol levels. Chances are, if you don't change something, this didn't happen to me, just so you know. <laughs> Chances are, if you don't change something, there's a good chance you're going to have a heart attack this year. He sees my face kind of drop. Yeah, and, and also there's some other, you know, in your, you know, blood counts and, 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 and different things, there's a good chance that it looks like you might have some sort of cancer. We don't know what it is. We're going to have to do some more tests. And, and I know you were showing me some of those spots on your cheek and on your shoulder, and, you know, I just need to tell you, I'm pretty sure those are cancerous. I'm pretty sure those need to get checked out, and if you don't, th that might kill you. And, and as he's telling me these things, you can imagine my face just dropping, feeling the weight of what he says. And, and he looks at me, and I know this doctor, and I've known him for a long time. And, and as he hears me say, oh, really? Are you sure? He hears me cry out. What if he, with a heart of compassion, because he really cares about me, relented? Yeah, you know what, Dan? Never mind. I, never mind. That, just ignore everything I said. 
I'm going to have compassion on you because I care about you. Just forget what I said. I see how discouraged you are. I see, just forget what I said. Go through your day. You're fine. You're going to be great. Is that, would you, would you want a doctor like that? Of course not. It's nice for him to say you're going to be fine, but it's not enough to just have him be compassionate, loving, and say, yeah, I relent from what I did because there's still consequences to having bad cholesterol. There's still consequences to potentially having cancer. There's still consequences to these health problems. You can, doctor, if you tell me I'm fine, thank you, but I'm still worried about the consequences. And I love this because even in the Old Testament, it was looking forward to what we're going to celebrate today, which was Christ's death. You see, the weight of sin is on all of us, right? The assessment for 2022 and 2021 and 2020 and every single year before that that you've been alive is fail, fail, fail. But as you cry out to him, in Psalm 106 it says cry. In the New Testament, I think it's the word faith. You say, I can't do it, God. I need help. I'm in trouble. You cry out because you have a need and Christ, God, in his love for your need, sends a solution. He relents from the punishment I deserve, but he doesn't get rid of the punishment. It's not like he just erases the issue. Let's just pretend there's no problem, right? It's not what he does. God can't do that. Just like I don't want a doctor who says, you know what, let's just, re, let's just change the numbers. God doesn't change the numbers when it comes to our sin. What does he do with them? We all know this. He takes those numbers, he takes that sin, and he piles them on his son. He relents to us. He changes his mind in a sense where how he's going to deal with us because he does to his son, to Christ, what we deserved so that we can live in hope. What is the one thing that Israel did in this whole scenario here? Nevertheless, what did they do? They cried out. They cried out in faith. I, I love as we hit the very last verse here. I don't actually know if I even have it up there. I don't think I do. Very last verse, verse 47. The psalmist, this is how he finishes the psalm. I actually think the psalmist is, is dealing with his own sin, the sin of his own community, and he's looking back at Israel's history and as a way of saying, there is a way out of my sin. And in verse 47, what does he say? He says, save us, O Lord our God. He cries out. That's his conclusion. This whole journey was to build the argument that if I cry out to God, God is a compassionate God and he relents for those whom he loves, whom he has a covenant with. We know that it's because of Christ. In the Old Testament, in this passage, it said, you can go ahead and go to that next one. How blessed, how happy are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness all the time. It's true. If you, if you practice righteousness all the time, I believe there is a joy that God would give. The problem is we can't do it. 
But I love that same word. It's the Greek version of it. In Matthew 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy. Those who recognize the sin in their life and have assessed their life and said, I need help. Save us, O Lord our God. And God, with his compassion, puts the weight of our sin on the Son, Jesus, and we receive the happy, the happy new year, the happy eternity with him. As we take communion together, and I love that we're doing this on the first of the year because we're, we're kicking off a new year, a new calendar year. We're going to take communion, and as we take communion, I, I want you to personally process. To, to, as you think about your assessment of 2022, and if you know Jesus, to process, yes, Lord, even though you've saved me, even though you've given me your life, I know I didn't do everything right. And I'm just gonna recognize through communion that I'm calling out to you, that I need you, that in faith I need you. Not to get something you haven't already received because when Christ gave you his life, when he died for you, it was one and done. It was, it's, it's accomplished. But we remember and we recognize in humility, Lord, I'm poor in spirit. I need you. I cry out to you. And he comes with the compassion of the blood of Christ and the life of Christ. And so as you take communion, remember this. I would have to say, if there's anybody here who's never come to know Christ, who's never given their life, said, God, I am a wreck. I was a wreck in 2022, and I was a wreck in 2021, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be a wreck in 2023. (laughs) Morally, spiritually, personally, emotionally, If you've never actually come to Christ and instead of saying, you know what, I'm just gonna do a little better next year because it just doesn't work. If you wanna know, ask some of the people who are older than I am in the room and I bet you they'll tell you the same. You never get it figured out. (laughs) If you've never come to Christ and said, I need help, I'm crying out to you, then I would encourage you to take communion as a means of making that statement. The blood, the juice represents his blood. The bread represents his body, which was broken for us. The weight of our sin piled on him. Our sins that we can live in his righteousness. We can have his goodness. We can actually have the life that he earned because of his death. Lisa's gonna come up. And uh, there'll be time to sing. We have communion in the back. Just whenever you're ready, get up, grab the the cup and the bread, and then just sit back down. And whenever you're ready, just take it. Take it um, in remembrance of what he's done, of his love, his compassion, the God of the nevertheless (laughs) who loves us so deeply.